This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Sports Biz Pod. I'm your host, Nick Hayden, founder at Sports Biz Group. And for today's episode, I'm excited to unveil an episode that was a live streamed panel uh, with SAP, where they invited me to speak on the future of sports from an artificial intelligence perspective. And this was broadcasted throughout all the SAP networks. And it was a great conversation about how we can leverage artificial intelligence and other technologies to bring back sports the right way. And this panel was uh, moderated by Charlotte DeBrand, who is a global procurement digital keynote speaker and 30 out of 30 megawatt winner. She moderated the panel alongside myself and David Chen, who's a board member and CFO of Hanson Robotics, Harvard, Harvard Business School graduate. And it was also on the panel was David Meltzer, the co-founder of Sports One Marketing, keynote speaker and three-time best-selling author. So this was a great conversation. I just want to thank SAP for putting on this live event. And it was a great conversation. If you haven't already, please go subscribe, give us a five-star review wherever you consume podcasts. And we hope you enjoy this episode. Thank you. Welcome to SAP Purpose Network Live. Uh, we are with the great Syria where we are looking at the world after COVID-19 from an AI perspective. Today, we are going to focus on the future of sports. But before I introduce this great number of digital keynote speakers, I just want to give a small update from Copenhagen where some of the audience know that I am located. Uh, this is like, you can call it the, probably the most happy place in the world right now. Uh, the last two weeks, uh, Denmark has really been opening up. So they started by sending children to kindergarten, uh, smaller children to, um, to schools. And now uh, shops has opened, uh, uh, hairdressers, dentists has opened, people can go back and work. Uh, and hopefully everything goes fine. Then from May the 10th, uh, restaurants uh, are also opening up. But I will keep on giving you update dates out there because I know it gives hopes. Um, and I will say um, it is definitely the most happy place to be. And I wish the best for all of you that wherever you are in the world that you also soon will be opening up. So by this, I would like to mention that we have Charlotte uh, de Brandparts, who is TEDx speaker, author, and digital keynote speaker with us. And she will be uh, really uh, facilitating the conversation. It will be all about the future of sports. And then we have David Chand, a board member and CFO of Handsome Robots, and also have Angel Invest. He's part of the APS alumni Angels also. And of course, the digital keynote speaker. And then we have David Melzer, who is co-founder of sports. Uh, one marketing and XEO of Light uh, Steinberg Sports and Entertainment, also an author and digital keynote speaker. 
And then we have a guest with us today, which is Nick Hayden, uh, founder and CEO of Sports Peace Group. So all over to you, Charlotte, um, and speak about the future of sports. Thank you so much, Anne, for this wonderful introduction. And greetings from New York to Denmark. It is a great pleasure to be here. It's such an honor. And, um, and nothing better to start this morning with the future of sports, one of my great passions, especially me coming from motorsport nearly a decade. So in this series, you will learn about the future of sports possibilities and lessons learned from COVID-19 from an AI perspective. Let the force of technology take control. Learn how to contribute to a new powerful world, helping people increase their awareness so they'll be able to leverage technology to its greatest advantage instead of letting technology use them. This era will not simply turn sports back on and the world will just be fine. This is far-reaching and long-lasting impacts than, that we can imagine. And that's the reason we are here together to discuss this important topic today. Sports have drawn people together to cheer for their heroes for as long as there has been a record, really, of human activity. Sports are timeless, yet each generation, new technology and social dynamics have changed and intensified how we experience sports. And in the past 50 years, we have seen many radical changes. Broadcast television, cable, credit cards, salary caps, player unions, integration, globalization of the fan base, shared revenue agreements, and not to forget 100 million US dollar player contracts. So the changes on the horizon will likely be even more disruptive. And discussing the future of our industry can be anxiety provoking, simply because so much seems uncertain. No one wants to bet on the wrong trend. 25 years from now, we want the next generation to look back at this time and appreciate the groundwork which we laid for them. AI, also known as artificial intelligence, is just revolutionizing sports and elevating it to the next whole new level. AI in sports is here to stay. And as the new technology improves, through better sponsors, processes, and algorithms, it will become even more important now than ever before. Whether through an internal IT organization or via external AI platforms, sport organizations now need AI to successfully compete at the highest possible level. So without no further ado, I would like to introduce our keynote of today, David Meltzer from California, the co-founder of Sports One Marketing. is He's also Variety's Magazine Sport Humanitarian of the Year and the host of Entrepreneur's number one podcast, The Playbook. David is the former CEO of Lake Steinberg Sports and Entertainment, which was truly the inspiration for the movie Jerry Maguire. Most recently though, David was awarded the most valuable philanthropist at the Super Bowl. So, David, it's over to you. 
Thank you, Charlotte. What a great introduction and thank you everyone for joining. Obviously sports is such an integral part of everything that we do. It's the great unifier, it's the great release, uh, distractor, and among other things, a great economic source. Uh, many corporations, including SAP, rely on sports to communicate their messages and to attract customers and clients and associates to their business. Um, I'm gonna take you through three different things where AI are so essential in understanding sports. I've been working not only for the most notable sports agency in the world, but in marketing and media over the last 25 years. And a lot has changed. But one thing has not changed in sports. It has three components. One, content. Since the early, early Greek days of the original Olympics, it was content. Second place is access. How were people accessing it? In an arena, in a stadium, in their backyard? Uh, it doesn't matter. You access this content in a variety of different ways. Uh, and then what mediums are we uh, looking at it in? And all three of these have changed over the last decade in an exponentially uh, accelerated rate. And now, because of COVID, it's even accelerated more. So looking at AI, anywhere there's content, all of that type of technology will be applied just as this. So there's, there's three things to look at uh, to start. And the first being that sports is three different things. It's content, it's how people access it, and it's the mediums in which they see it on. And it's been this way since history. And now oh, it's accelerated more than ever. And we have to look at how AI works with content, works within the context of access and collecting data and allowing people to see, view, and participate. And what mediums are we utilizing in order to effectuate that content? Uh, moving forward from there, Shakespeare was right a long time ago. Uh, the whole world is a stage. And what's accelerated the most during COVID is that all sports now are really just a stage sport. And it's gonna be a while. Uh, I look at it as a football game. I know last week we talked about it being a baseball game and we were in the first inning. I see this as a football game. We're in the first quarter. There's gonna be a halftime and maybe a couple overtimes. But with sports, the one key factor will be the vaccine. We need to work our way back because there will be no mass gatherings. There will be no Super Bowl parades and millions of people gathering for races and masters until we have a vaccine. The, you, you can already see the risk involved just by one person being infected or uh, asymptomatic of the disease. We, we need to have a vaccine. So you have to use that as the dependent variable on how are we going to execute on the release of viewing sports. Uh, the first, obviously, is the stage theory. Shakespeare came up with the whole world is the stage. So we have to look at four components of the stage theory. Number one, how are you gonna use AI to capture content, right? AI is specific and capturing the content, why? So it looks real, so we can get emotionally attached. When we capture this content, it has to be captured not only in a specific way to have emotional attachment, but it has to be formatted and captured for each of the different specific platforms in which people access it on. And so the second modification, there's different ways, as you can see, pre-COVID with the red zones and different way that people have appetites for sports and the incremental units and highlights and overviews of sports. So capture, modify, and then amplify. 
really amplifying these sports. How are we amp? AI is an exceptional uh, tool uh, to accelerate the amplification to billions of people at one time on demand. And how and why is that important? Because sports was the original reality TV, and it probably will be the last remaining reality TV. People, you need to watch sports in time, in real time. Uh, and then finally brings up where we have the Michael Jordan in series right now is the perpetual nature of content, right? AI is very, very powerful in perpetuating content because there's so much content out there. How can we experience something that happened 100 years ago, 50 years ago, 25 years ago, as if it was happening in real time? And then finally, beyond content access and mediums in the stage area, I want to bring up esports because it, it is accelerating at an exponential rate. It is the true integration of sports. We can see how we're taking our live sports heroes, integrating them with the esports. And I was blessed to be one of the founding owners of uh, Overactive Media, our, our team, and I had no idea. The most interesting thing about esports that's not obvious to everyone, uh, in electronic sports, people playing video games, uh, is, you know, we have maybe a little mature audience and I always forget people may not even know what esports is. But the most remarkable thing that I look at in the business of sports is that the stadiums and arenas sell out for the championships. So it's an interesting aspect. If you think the world is going all virtual, not only obviously uh, is it the fastest growing sport that millions and millions of people already participate in view online, but they were selling out arenas years ago. More people watch the finals of League of Legends than the NBA finals. Uh, so we, the most interesting thing for sponsors though is what, what is it in human nature that allows people to want to watch people playing video games in person? It's an anomaly that I never thought would occur, but it, that's the future of sport, is that there has to be this combination of human interaction with AI. There's a combination, AI is a tool, it's an accelerated, it allows us to enhance human expression. And unless we have the human expression and human connection, then we aren't able to uh, emotionally attach to sports, which is why people monetize sports. It's the irrationality of human beings that allow us to monetize sports. Let me give you an example. When I realized as a young boy that somebody would pay $1,000 for a baseball with a signature on it, my logical, pragmatic, economic mind was blown away. And I said, why would that be? Because it's an irrationality of, of human beings to want to be able to connect to either the past, present, future, or the connectivity within our family, friends, and associates and experience is captured, amplified and perpetuated by a signature on a baseball, and we can monetize that. So nothing has a more emotional attachment, nothing can be monetized easier than sports, except for one thing, and I don't like to, to do that in business, but it's children. You know, I've seen parents starve to get their kids violin lessons. Uh, literally starve, not pay for food to do that. But beyond our children, sports is the next easiest thing to monetize because of the emotional power and the combination of technology and the content that has been around since the beginning of man, the content of competition, of cooperation, collaboration, teamwork, leadership, all the great components that make us amazing human beings can be enhanced and accelerated 
Uh, maybe enhance and accelerate with AI. Fantastic. Thank you so much, David. That really set the scene for all of us sport enthusiasts out there. And I think now we are ready to go to our panel discussion. The panel discussion is going to be with Nick, David, and David. So let's start with the first question. David Melter, if, uh, if I may ask you. I'm so curious. What is your prediction for the next five to 10 years for the sports industry? Well, it's going to accelerate and grow. Um, it, it accelerate and grow in the aspect of more people are going to be integrated into sports. The biggest change over the next five years will be the relationship between the sponsors, the networks, and sports. Uh, it's accelerating. Uh, this is a great time of acceleration. Things that were going to take a decade or two now may actually take months or just a year. Uh, and so big companies like SAP, small, mid-sized companies are all going to learn how to attract customers, clients, associates, channel partners through sports, just like they always have, as well as one of the key components of sports is hospitality. So imagine, as I said, I think the ending point of when we can figure how mass gatherings, the ultimate, the ultimate end of sports are the big mass gatherings, millions of people in person at a parade or a Super Bowl or a Pro Bowl or the Masters, millions of people gather, not just at the venue. There's more people gathering outside the actual game. It's a week-long festivity that goes on. And then even after the game, you know, they were saying that, thank goodness that San Francisco didn't win the Super Bowl. And th those aren't just, you know, the other fans saying that. That's because millions of people show up to the parade. And because they didn't know how many people were infected, it could have caused a, an enormous uh, a change. So once we get the vaccine, you'll see that there'll be an entirely different landscape that has developed of how we interact with the clients, associates, channel partners, and fans. Mm -hmm. I can I can completely relate with your answer, especially me coming from motorsport. The real show is really happening outside of that paddock and outside of that racetrack, and that's where really the the where you find all of the sport enthusiasts and where all of the exchanges happen. So absolutely, um, Nick, since you are our guest for today, and you're truly also in the field of sports, having your own podcast, your own sports well, so many different engagements which you involve. What is your prediction for the next five to 10 years in the sports industry? Absolutely. Thank you so much, Charlotte, for having me on. And um, I think, you know, I had some really bold predictions five to 10 years before coronavirus. And, you know, I have some new predictions as well, I think, as a result of this, which would accelerate it. But um, some predictions I have that are new because of coronavirus is that um, in the next one to two years, you're going to see a very aggressive innovation towards virtual reality and augmented reality to create a digital experience. And as that progression occurs in the next one to two years with the development of the technology that in five to 10 years, we're going to have digital experiences and physical experiences, and it's going to be a hybrid of both. So um, my prediction is that VR and AR is going to have a massive opportunity during this time to get it into mass adoption. So um, once that is in more hands, we'll have a digital experience and an in-person experience once a vaccine and it is safe to go back to in-person events. So it's going to be really interesting to see the hybrid of in-person and digital experiences. So that's kind of a newer prediction, I think, as a result. Um, something that I've been thinking, you know, regardless of coronavirus is that, you know, virtual reality or excuse me, artificial intelligence will garner the largest venture funding 
in the sports industry in the next five to 10 years. And it's going it, to it change how people, athletes, teams, leagues, brands, everyone engage with it. So I think that um, before coronavirus, virtual reality and uh, esports as well will surpass at least one major sporting league in, in five to 10 years. I think with the mass adoption and how many people are participating, um, the combination of esports and um, artificial intelligence, I think that's the future for the next five to 10 years. Absolutely. We are definitely up there. And David Chen, over to you. Um, so we're talking about all of this in the context of uh, COVID-19 and how um, it's impacted uh, various sectors. And today we're talking about sports. And I like David Meltzer's framework of the three components of content, access, and medium. And um, I can just say that, um, you know, I, I've seen personally um, in various um, access points, I mean, people are able to access more content now and also participate. So when I look at sports, part of it is, is about the fan base that would watch sports and, you know, watch it on television or watch it live. The other base is really people who participate. You know, you may not be a pro player, but you could be an amateur and just enjoy, you know, basketball or football. And the question is now, how can this era of what we see now of changed behavior due to COVID-19 give us a different level of participation? So case in point, I mean, I've been a practitioner of uh, Japanese karate for decades and you used to have to go to the, to the physical studio and train with a very, you know, senior teacher. And it's a very physical kind of, um, in present um, experience, but now because of COVID-19, we have masters from around the world streaming live lessons for free every day. So literally I'm at home training every day and it's a very different experience, but it's given me access. So as a participant, um, as a practitioner, it's given me that level of access that, that I didn't have before. And I believe that AI plays a role in all this because it's all about data. Think about all the people that are participating online, whether you're watching or whether you're participating in and how all that data, that video data, maybe it's an, uh, analyzing your, um, you know, your movements, analyzing how you perform, analyzing um, you know, the viewership. And that I think um, is a, becomes a business monetization opportunity from my perspective. So to Nick's point about uh, um, additional venture funding going into um, esports or things that sort of over the next five years, I think will be a very interesting opportunity. So, I think the landscape is changing. And what we're seeing is that really um, a, uh, a, a closing of the disparity in terms of the, uh, the, the people's, people's ability to kind of access some of the content that they wouldn't see otherwise. So I think, I think AI will play, continue to play a role in all of this going forward. And we're still trying to figure out uh, what that means in terms of a business model for many folks. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, very interesting. Um, and, and just keeping that momentum, now moving to, to athletes and, and their physique, really. David Meltzer, over to you. How do athletes improve their physical being through AI? Well, David Chen kind of touched on the data that is available and was before COVID. I think even more interesting than what's obvious to people that we are gonna have better techniques, better nutrition, all the areas of sports that have made great athletes, uh, being able, you know, so important in the sensory cortex of what we're able to see and relive. So if you're a quarterback in American football, being able to see the defense virtually has been a huge thing and, and do different reads and 
just practicing the mind so you're conditioning more efficient, effective, and statistically successful behavior. What's most interesting in the context of sports with the UN initiatives, to me, the new athlete is completely equal. What, what I love about esports is it's the great equalizer of sports. Coming from someone who dreamed of being an athlete, but my quantum DNA would not allow me to be LeBron James no matter how hard I tried. What I love about esports is male, female, tall, short, even with disabilities. We can play sports in a competitive nature and it comes down to the, we, the reason we wanna compete is who wants it more, right? I love the fact of those people that must be what they can be. We now have a platform of competition where anyone around the world, the, it, it is the great equalizer, it is the great unifier. And I think as far as athletes, that's what's most interesting for me is how do I, in being a business person who loves to monetize the emotional aspect of sports, how do I start making superheroes of you know, young women who are tremendous League of Legends players or Halo players? Or how do I take someone that has no arms and take them to win the NBA 2K championship? All of these things are not only possible, but now they're probable through artificial intelligence as we have wearables, insertables, and replaceables, right? The, these all become different issues in sports. Uh, this is a tremendous opportunity to get, to get a great equalizer in sports so that we all come together and the person who wants it most wins it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And Nick, what do you have to say? Yeah, so what's fortunate about sports is there's an abundance of data sets that you can choose from, whether it's from an athlete, their hydration, what they're eating, how well are they sleeping, and that's individualized. But then you also, from a team perspective, how is this one team um, going to face up against this other team? And what are the statistics if they run this certain play? How should we counter? So what's going to be interesting with artificial intelligence, and they're doing it, it's not where it needs to be yet. But, you know, you can use predictive modeling to kind of see and run different simulations about what a team might run or a certain play. And in real time, you can set up certain drills and schemes to make sure that your, your team is mentally prepared and physically prepared. So... AI is going to be really fascinating to see how you can use that data in real time to adjust your game plan ahead of a, a certain opponent and maybe how they're running certain plays or maybe their certain schemes. So um, from an individual level, I think it's going to be fascinating seeing how people can track hydration, diet, sleep. But then as a team level, how do you build certain game plans around your opponent based off of their predictive models and different data sets? So. Mm, absolutely, especially sleep. So it's being undervalued nowadays. And, and David Chen, in your opinion, how do athletes improve their physique, their physical being through AI? Yeah, I mean, it's about um, um, what I think um, really is about uh, feedback. And uh, I think AI can provide additional feedback through data, through the algorithms uh, to optimize uh, their own um, levers of performance. So for example, it could be a particular um, recommendation about a certain technique or a strategy, and that becomes much more available to the players. And, you know, typically teams, they've got coaches, right? Coaches that provide strategy, provide the drive, provide enthusiasm. But now I think this also becomes a tool for the coaches to better coach their teams and better point out certain things that, that they wouldn't have observed otherwise, right? 
right? And um, part of it is also um, adapting that to, uh, to wearables, right? I mean, so yes, we have on the VR goggles, but you also have the, the video, but you also have wearables that, uh, as Nick mentioned, basically can measure certain components of your physiology that would um, uh, give feedback to the player and actually enhance performance. And as David uh, Meltzer pointed out, I mean, you can be uh, a very different physique, but you can still participate if you want enough. You know, it's all about the brain, right? It's all about the mind. If you really want it badly enough, then hopefully you can actually compete in an online environment that you would not have been able to um, in the physical world. So I think that's gonna be a radical change. And that gives, I think, a lot of people hope uh, in terms of being able to be, you know, sports people. Mm -hmm. Thank you very much, David Chen. Let's go to our next question. More on, on athletes. David Meltzer, how can athletes gain more sponsorship through AI after COVID-19? Yeah, I think during and after, uh, number one, it's building an audience. So whatever artificial intelligence it is to build their own personal brand, their own frequency to strengthen their signal so more people know about them that can align with them. There's plenty of people out there to address, right? 4.3 billion people and growing. So AI can allow them to strengthen their signal. Also, uh, as Nick has suggested over again, the spectrum, uh, the biggest problem with athletes is they just assume that everyone knows who they are because they see them play on a Saturday or a Sunday. They now can address a specific audience that is most attracted to them. That spectrum of like you're into auto racing, right? There's a whole millions and millions of people that don't care about the, the center of the New York Giants. They're more interested in a Le Mans racer or an Indy racer. Uh, so the spectrum is so important. And then most importantly, you know, is their clarity of message. Uh, through feedback, as David Chen mentioned, we can understand what people are hearing. You know, uh, Lou Holtz is a famous football coach at Notre Dame. And I loved when he always used to say, David, you know, it's not what I say, it's what these kids hear. Uh, and it, that's never been more important <laughs> with artificial intelligence to get the feedback of, Oh my gosh, I thought, you know, everybody got what I was talking about. I was so blessed. Two days ago, I had Deepak Chopra uh, over together, you know, for the playbook. And I know that he was thinking that everybody could hear him. And I was thinking to myself, maybe 1% of the world would probably even understand what he's talking about, about potential time and existence. Didn't stop me from wanting to hear it myself. Uh, but moreover, it's very important for athletes to realize this is your opportunity to strengthen your signal, find your spectrum and have a clear message so that you can monetize it. And then there's a whole bunch of tools to help you monetize your new audience. Mm -hmm. I love it, especially also having the right mindset, the right frequency, again, it's magic word. And, uh, and you know, I think many also, they hesitate just in asking. The whole theme of just ask, if you don't ask, you don't get, and just don't wait until you're being noticed. <laughs> Nick, over to you. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, it's it's definitely been clear that sponsorship value has decreased um, over the past few months. There's no in-person game. So sponsors are pulling back, but I still think that sponsorship is available now. You look at the NFL draft that's happening remote tonight. You have Bose, Lowe's, 
um, some big brands that are, um, you know, pumping into in-home experiential um, types of activations. It's not going to be as uh, maybe effective as an in-person stadium activation, but they're still going to make it work. So I think with AI, athletes will be able to better understand their metrics and data to find their target audience quicker and attract them and build relationships with them quicker. So I think from an athlete perspective, they definitely could use AI, but I think the real question is about, you know, how do brands best use that data? I think brands need more help leveraging that data to find the best athlete rather than athletes leveraging that data to find the best fans. So um, sponsorship has slowed down. I think that it's still possible right now during coronavirus, once we are out and about in in-person events, um, hopefully the value will um, heighten and it will mix with our artificial or um, digital sponsorships. But I think the real question is about how do brands use that data um, to find the best athletes rather than athletes find the, the best audience. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And David Chen, what is your opinion about sponsorship? Well, I think uh, it's going to shift a bit. I mean, um, before sponsorship took place at events or other forms of, um, of medium, as David Meltzer pointed out. But I think now with the um, democratization of our access to events, right, as, um, as uh, people who watch sports and the democratization of people who aspire to play sports, that nature of sponsorship is going to shift. Um, I think it's hard to say how it, it, it will shift into, but in terms of, um, you know, it could be a somebody who's unknown but becomes very good very quickly. Maybe he becomes a rising star, right? And as, as a result, the sponsors catch him quickly enough and can realize that person's trajectory. Maybe that person becomes an influencer. And we've seen the numerous examples of how social influencers can have tremendous impacts on brand, on brand's value and their reach. And if AI can capture that trajectory, right, based on an up and coming no name person, then I believe that there's an opportunity there, right? And then you know, right now time is being compressed. So we see opportunities happening much faster than, than we've seen in the past, right? So before you typically wait whatever years to, to cultivate a player, he becomes or she becomes really good, really, really popular. And then the brands, you know, catch that person. But now I, I imagine the sponsors can actually get there faster. They can actually kind of look at the data, look at uh, the, the, the influence that that person has, right? In terms of, that, uh, of his or her ability to play, online engage an audience and uh, get viewership, right? If a person attracts, let's say, or, or an instructor, let's say an instructor teaches a class of 10 people, and then all of a sudden next week it's 100, and we get to those 1,000, right? So if you see that level of trajectory, then you know that that particular instructor has got an audience base, it's got a fan base for people that want to watch his, his or her instruction, and then you uh, attach a form of sponsorship next to that, and then that's how you reach a lot more people that are in that particular vertical, whether it be, you know, uh, sports racing or, or karate or basketball, whatever it may be. So that I think is gonna change. And the question is whether the sponsors, they themselves are gonna be quick enough to latch onto that opportunity. So, but I do see that this trend changing, certainly. Mm, absolutely, especially the opportunities, the pace of automation, the pace of communication and the pace of, of opportunities has just increased through AI. And as my dad actually preached me throughout my childhood, always, See the opportunity, see the goals that you desire, take the opportunity and make it happen. And that's how he was always praised, you know, when I grew up, he's always reminded me of, of that and to visualize. 
Um, now, talking about opportunities, there is a question um, which was just on my tongue in terms of mindset. And, um, and if we focus on mindset, can you overcome mindset barriers with AI? Good Sure. You know, I, I think anything that gives us data feedback, anything that provides a higher level of awareness is what artificial intelligence does. So if we have a higher level of awareness, then it allows our mindset, uh, even just the full understanding that we have control of our own mindset to understand the difference between illusions and reality, to understand the difference between the fear based actions that we have and activities that we have compared to confident based things that we have within our control and within our context. So I think the whole key to mindset is awareness. And there's no doubt that artificial intelligence allows us to have a higher vibration, a higher frequency, a higher awareness, because we can only be aware of that which vibrates equal to or less than us. And so artificial intelligence actually not only can raise our awareness, but it can detect on what raises our awareness because artificial intelligence is what is used in order to effectuate what parts of the brains are being used, theta energy, beta, alpha, being able to understand and see through wearables, insertables and replaceables when we are at our peak awareness. And so we actually, as much as we train the body, we actually can use artificial intelligence to train our mindset uh, very, very efficiently. So I think that's one of the areas that a lot of people haven't really delved into, but it was quite interesting in dealing with Sophia the last few weeks in pre-COVID and COVID that my awareness was elevated. My awareness was elevated by this piece of artificial intelligence that was extraordinary. And so I think everyone out there, you know, look at how artificial intelligence accelerates, enhances, and enlightens us, which all is applicable to our mindset. Absolutely. <laughs> It's my favorite topic. Nick, over to you. What, what is your opinion here? Yeah, I think, um, I think just looking at it, I agree with what David was saying right there. And um, I think that artificial intelligence, it's a very difficult concept for a lot of people to grasp and the scale on what it will become. So I think there is a mindset of just educating people on a, an, a base level of what it is, because not enough people can grasp that concept. So once you understand it, there's some people that are very sophisticated, know the, the coding element and how to build those uh, machines and, and learnings. But from a, uh, a basic level of people adopting it and utilizing artificial intelligence, I think there is a big gap of people just understanding what it is capable of. So um, it's important, I think, to educate people about AI. It's the same thing with like blockchain technology of people use it every day. They don't understand the, ca the capabilities yet. So um, I think it's uh, important for all of us to you know, help educate people about the capabilities and how they can use it for their life. So I think that's the mindset barrier. I think a lot of people um, should be able to help break through that. Thank you, Nick. And David Shen. Yeah, I think it's about, um, about uh, being able to, as an individual, go through all this data that we're getting bombarded with every day. Everybody's sending us all this stuff, advertising and you know, all this content that's being thrown at us left and right. And for me as an individual, I imagine that's true for many people is, how do you figure out what signal versus noise? I mean, there's a lot of noise out there, right? People are bombarding me with stuff, advertising, or even emails, you know, and people are reaching out to me. It's like, how do I figure out what it is that I want to focus on, right? 
and an AI can help me decide as a mechanism, right? Take all that data that I'm getting and then help me with my data points, my attributes, decide what to focus on. So I know what versus noise, and that is extremely useful because it's by time, right? If we can actually figure out what at that particular moment um, we should be focusing on, then hopefully we can become much more efficient. And hopefully through that process, um, we will become much more in tune with what we're supposed to be, right? I mean, it's about the mindset, but it's also about We're, um, you know, in many respects, where the universe wants to take us. If we're in flow with that, then hopefully AI becomes a tool. It becomes a tool to kind of go through all that data and give us some decision points that we can latch onto and say, okay, that's the answer. You know, if I had, uh, you know, do this particular technique versus that particular technique because I'm more natural for that, then I would follow that. As soon as I'm better at that particular thing and hopefully merge, you know, better than uh, my, my competitors in, in that realm. So in that regard. Thank you, David Jen. And our last question for the panel, and we have also some, some questions from, from the audience, but um, David Melton, in your opinion, how has the virus, the pandemic, truly impacted the sports industry? Oh, uh, economically, it's been devastating. You know, when, when you realize the not only economic effect of not being able to have large gatherings, uh, the amount of people that are employed in this multi-billion dollar industry, the amount of companies that drive traffic to their businesses, the amount of exposure, awareness, and community, uh, you know, it, it is to me almost unfathomable uh, of what has occurred in such a short amount of time. Remember, it was on one Wednesday that uh, someone in the NBA <laughs> With, within minutes, uh, you know, we, we started canceling every single sporting event in, in America and then around the world. So I think economically, we'll never see anything like this again, but it's really good for sports uh, because it's accelerating where it needed to be uh, to a combination of ex uh, digital and traditional. This had, had to merge and it just is going to accelerate it. We'll, we'll recover very quickly. Sports has been around a long time. Gambling's the biggest effect that most people don't look at. One of the oldest professions in the world in history is gambling. We've been gambling almost as long as there's been sports. They may have been betting pebbles, but they were betting, I promise you. And, uh, you know, 20 states have legalized gambling in the last 18 months. The economic effect of the gambling may be more than the natural uh, big gathering not being allowed. So once those two back come together, and AI plays a crucial role in gambling, uh, in so many different aspects, it could be its own seminar uh, gambling. So I think you'll see uh, we will return. All the aspects of sports are still there. It'll just be different, and I hopefully it'll be better. Fantastic. Nick, some final words for you. Yeah, so you know it, it has been devastating. You've seen massive layoffs. You've seen um, an entire league actually default um, with the XFL. Um, so you know it's unfortunate to see a lot of my close friends are you know becoming laid off from the, the coronavirus because there's no game. So um, you know you know it's unfortunate, but there's a lot of optimism because it is um, accelerating where we need to be quicker. 
Um, I think what sports and entertainment does is it moves culture forward. So right now we have to think of new innovative ways to rally sports and get to that first game back quicker. So, um, you know, we want to make sure that everything we're doing is in the right way. We don't want to rush back into games and then, you know, more people get coronavirus and spread it. So we want to control it. We want to be smart. Um, but it has truly been devastating to sports betting, um, sales, sponsorships, attendance, everything uh, that you can name of. But it gave us a kind of a rude awakening of, you know, what if some things we should be doing right now to not like let this happen again. So it's modernizing it. We're becoming smarter, we're becoming more savvy, we're becoming more innovative. So um, as, as bad as the immediate impacts are, I think it is setting us up to, um, you know, get to where we need to be quicker. So, um, you know, it, it's painful now, but I think it, it's going to be growing pains and, and uh, we should see some, you know, light at the end of the tunnel. So. Thanks, Nick. And David Chen, some final words from your side? Yeah, I agree with both uh, David and Nick. I mean, the economic uh, toll has been uh, pretty steep, right, for organizations, for individuals, uh, for players, etc. But I think the fundamental um, human nature, the desire to be entertained and seek entertainment and seek joy, that does not change, right? So yes, COVID-19 has, has had tremendous economic toll on the traditional uh, institutions, but um, I think uh, I think we will see new institutions that will rise very quickly, rise very quickly as a result of this change in behavior, because the fundamental human nature, the desire to be entertained, desire to participate in things that make us happy, that will not change actually, right? So the question is, how can you know the content, the delivery? Um, and still satisfy our needs as people. Thank you, David Chen. And also, thank you everyone for listening. Thank you for your time, especially. It, it's, uh, for, it means a lot to all of us that you're joining in on a weekly basis. And also for everyone who has raised the questions, I will make sure to get the answers to you after the call from the experts. But now I would like to hand over back to Anne. Thank you so much and a big thanks to all of you. Uh, you will all be back uh, in one week on next Thursday. So a big thanks to Charlotte, to Dave, Dave and Nick, who was our guest today. Um, and then I would like to put the attention on, uh, we have several sessions coming up after this session here today. Uh, we have, um, after this session, uh, we have a session in uh, the category about everyday heroes, uh, where a startup guy who also runs a serial every second week uh, will speak uh, with uh, a startup called Defining the Next Decade uh, about how uh, they fight COVID and it's all about strengthens of the entrepreneur mindset in the Corona crisis. Uh, as you know, we have expanding our program to many of our incredible partners. So in parallel with this session, under the theme work from home and lifestyle, we have the global startup ecosystem uh, having a session around how to build a public speaking career via virtual event in the 2020 with global startup ecosystem. So a big thanks from the SAP Purpose Network Live. A big thanks to this exciting uh, series of the world after COVID-19 from an AI perspective. Stay safe out there and I hope to see you back on the platform. 
A big thanks from SAP Purpose Network Live. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in a new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series now streaming on Showtime.